Welcome back, everybody, and thank you again for tuning in. We have some new things coming your way, but for now, be sure to find us on all social media platforms. We're on Twitter during matches and send Premier League updates, too, but we're always down to have a chat with fans all over the globe. We're also on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, and run our live shows on Twitch. Click subscribe and join the conversation when we record. And as always, let us know what you think. The beautiful game is for everyone to enjoy, so keep us posted on what you want to hear more of. Now, let's have a beer. Howlers episode 163. We're coming at you virtual this time. Tristan. A virtual hello, boys. How are we doing this evening? Howdy. <laughs> busy Monday. Busy Monday. But yeah. good. Yeah. We're good. A, a very busy Monday. Uh, it was a quiet weekend in the Premier League, obviously an international break. But that didn't stop the sky from falling at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, where they finally part ways uh, agreed to mutually part ways i should say with antonio conte was not a sacking it was reported as a sacking by many uh yeah. social media pages uh, social media outlets news outlets but was a mutual agreement uh, about as mutual as could be probably it had been mutual for quite a few days at this point uh but conte is gone spurs will go with christian stellini uh as the head man on the bench assisted by ryan mason through the remainder of the year as uh, fans of teams who are trying to beat Tottenham in the Premier League this season, what do you guys think about that? I, I mean, I guess we knew it was coming, right? So, you fear Spurs more now, or do you fear them less? I guess I should ask more of a specific I think question. I personally fear them a bit less, Andrew. I would say maybe I'd say more just because there's a weight off of their shoulders. Although I think Conte is a great manager and we've said all we've said about the imbalance of ownership with management with players. I think the players themselves will have less stress on their shoulders from a perspective of I don't have to hear him talk a shit about me every single weekend or the threat of it. So that might free up these players whenever we talk about a team that loses their manager it usually results in them performing pretty well. And this isn't like a mid-table team. This isn't a relegation team. This is a team with Harry Kane, Hingham-Winson, Kuliseski, Bentecourt. Not Bentecourt is injured, but um, there's players in this team that are deserving of some, a little, or, or are dying for a little bit more free, fluid football going forward. And I think this that's what might happen now that he's gone. I don't think it's going to be consistent, but I don't want to catch Spurs a week from now, just fresh off a management switch. Yeah, I mean, maybe two, maybe I four guess, games later. But <laughs> I say I fear them less because I th- I fear them less in a big match. So when I look at Tottenham, if Liverpool have to face up against them, I think they'd be more dangerous with Conte at the helm, just like they were with the likes of Mourinho when he can just pull off that miraculous game plan um, and go in with a good strategy against a big opponent and maybe nick points. I do think from a Spurs perspective that like the feel good football of Tottenham will be back. So having the weight lifted against those lesser opponents, bottom half teams where they really need to get points. I think in that aspect, they might be a bit more dangerous. They'll look more, they'll have more freedom. They won't be pegged back with that very defensive minded Conte trademark. And they can kind of just play their 
pops ball, I guess, if they, if they still got it in them. It's probably ingrained in them to their soul because he was there for such a long time. But um, I think in that, in that side of things, Tottenham will be in a good state of mind. I wonder, sorry, I don't want to cut you off, just, and I know you have stuff to say too, but I wonder if defensively they'll feel a little bit less stressed too. Just because there's a high expectation. I just won't care when goals go I'm in. Thinking, <laughs> I'm thinking about it from the from a perspective of a player. And when you are threat, are you when you fear every error you might make and the reaction from your manager, you're obviously going to play worse. Yeah. So I think there is something to be said about that and the potential for some of these defenders that you know are Pedro Poro, Romero, a little bit more like you know better defenders than Eric Dyer and, and so on. I think they'll be able to play with a bit more. Uh, with like I said, less stress, and I, I don't I don't know if it's if it's going to last for the course of the remainder of the season, but just something to be said and based upon that feeling that Conte brings of, of high pressure. I mean, and he was right in that some of these players can't deal with the pressure. Yeah, absolutely. I think you're correct, and there will be uh, a maybe slight, definitely not permanent sort of reset defensively, but I think that's because there will be a top to bottom reset. I happen to think Conte brought so much negative energy and had at this point sort of already lost the, I guess, footballing trust of a lot of players in that locker room, whether or not, you know, these are guys that have not reached the heights Conte has. So many people would say, you know, why they have not, why do they have any reason not to trust Conte when they've not done what he's done? I understand that. But overall, I think there will be quite a positive reset in the locker room for maybe the next few games. Our record under Stellini is pretty good. We have a few big wins with them on the sideline. Obviously, Conte was still pulling most of the strings behind the scenes and making most of the major decisions. But I think there will be uh, sort of a positive familiarity with Stellini on the sideline. I mean, they know Ryan Mason as well as anybody else on staff. He's been there many years now. He's been in that assistant position, occasionally stepping into that first, uh, you know, the first manager role. So I think, the play will turn around a bit. I definitely think there will be a positive reset, as I've said, um, not just defensively, but top to bottom. I wouldn't be surprised to see maybe Hyunming, uh, Son Hyungman going on a bit of a goal tear. Not maybe so much tear, but tallying a few more than he has. I expect to maybe see Kulisevsky liven up a little bit. Maybe we just play a little bit less tight and tense and enjoy having the ball a little bit more um, is what I'm hoping to see and I'm hoping is the result of this. But we segue to who could potentially be stepping in. We did touch on this a little bit last time we met and talked about the Premier League. Nogglesman has been pretty much the number one name being floated out there. I guess I want to ask you guys about timing because I have my own thoughts on this, but some people are saying go for Nogglesman right now before the another job gets filled up and he ends up going somewhere else. Some people are saying stick with Stellini, stick with Mason, stick with what you know, something steady that you can go into the summer window with and then make your big manager move. If you guys are Tottenham, if you guys are Levy, do you go for Nagelsmann right now? Or do you think it was a mistake going with the Stellini-Mason sort of combo? Not that it won't be Stellini's job, but what are you guys' thoughts on the, on the timing and on, on making the coaching decision the way they did? I was slightly shocked, honestly, that they... I thought it was taking so long to get Conte out because they had wanted their guy teed up and to bring in for the remainder of the season. So then he could kind of have a free crack at the squad and see what he can get out of this season still. I think they might have had that pretty teed up until the huge manager shakeup at Bayern that no one really saw coming with Nogglesman 
get in the boot and Tuchel in. I think Tuchel was kind of the predecessor that was lined up to come in at Tottenham. Whether it was, I think there were conversations that might, and he had some interest in going to the club, but once Byron calls, obviously he's, he's picking up that phone and he's getting on the plane. So I think looking at how things played out from a Tottenham perspective, yes, it would be nice to keep the interim staff of Stellini and Mason because of the feel-good side of things, the no-pressure football, the fans can enjoy it, but I don't think you can take a chance necessarily on losing out on Nagelsmann because if another big club has a manager leave, Tottenham isn't necessarily going to be the first choice, and I think right now it would be a no-brainer for Nagelsmann. I don't think he's going to take a break from football, anything like that. So get him in, strike while the iron's hot, and then he gets the end of the season to sort things out, understand how everything's running within the club. He can do whatever he has to do to Levy, get on his good side, and then he can get that a little extra bit of cash in the summer. So I think get Nogglesman in now. Think about everything else later if I was a Tottenham fan. See, I agree, but I also disagree in the sense that you want... If he's going to just like go to any club, then I don't think he's the right man for you. I think you want a manager that wants to come to Tottenham. I don't think Conte really wanted to come to Tottenham, if that makes sense. Like, yes, he went, and I think... Not at all. I I think, ultimately, you want, like, the way I look at it is Eric Ten Hag. I'm going to always use United as a reference point because it's in a very similar situation that Tottenham are in. And he wanted to come to United. He wanted to fix the club. The players we got wanted to come to United. They wanted to fix the club. You want a manager that is willing to wait out for the season to end and then make his mark. I also think it's a tough time for a manager to come in because if things don't go smoothly until the end of the season, you have Nagelsmann in there. It just adds to it's gonna it's like first impressions. Like it, it's gonna roll over into the next season and it could potentially. I'm not saying I think Nagelsmann's a fantastic manager, but I think there's still that psyche about it and Understanding Tottenham as a club and how managers operate there with ownership, you have to make a good first impression, and these players need a good first impression for the sake of performing over the course of a full season. But um, well, yeah. you make a very interesting point, and I agree uh, in that the best option in coaching scenarios is to go with the guy who seems to mutually want to come to your club as well. Number one on that list of, of Tottenham potential managers right now is Potch. And I think there are dividing opinions on whether or not a return on his part would be a good thing would lead to success for the club, but he's pretty vocally stated several times. He wants to come back at some point feels there's a lot of unfinished business feels like he could still accomplish something with this club. And, you know, again, it's something that's so near and dear to my heart, his tenure with the club. But as I've said in the past, I remain consistent with it. I just don't think it's a great idea to have him, come back and the opposite issue is then because we're a club that's known to pay managers lots of money we can attract lots of managers but as you've said we've paid the piper many times over now with managers and we've got nothing out of it we've gotten a few memorable seasons a few finishes high at the table but nothing really concrete to look back on so you do make a great point but as I sit here with my Tottenham fan hat on I'm like I don't know which option is better because again I have great memories with Poch, but it would feel to me like a regression to bring him back. But it's like, do, do we, we, the killers don't really work with us either. You know, the big juggernaut guys haven't really worked out that well. I feel like Nogglesman would be somewhere in between, but you know, I, I don't know. I, I guess when I look at Nogglesman, there's a lot of question marks. I, I do agree with the point you make that if he did come in today and if we didn't finish that strong, that's going to add 
probably unfairly to his view as a manager at Spurs and how people will view his Premier League pedigree. But it's also like, you know, if he is a proven manager, which I think he is, why not get him in now? start to get his system implemented. So at least when summer comes, you're getting guys that'll fit into that system a little easier, but the ones that you're planning on keeping have a bit of an adjustment period. You know, it's all, it could go in so many different directions. Yeah. It's, it seems like with every Tottenham manager sacking, there's been a pretty clear cut guy that comes in right away. That's how it was with Mourinho. I feel like that's how it was with Conte. Nuno was his own sort of unique case, but a lot of times it's been really clear in, ter- in terms of who the next guy is, but, we're finally here. We're finally at a day where Conte is not at the helm at Tottenham anymore. And I don't think it's super clear as to who's going to step in. Even, even people close to, to the club are sort of not really sure which direction they're going to move, which is probably putting a lot of players on edge. So not for my sake, but for everybody else's, the remainder of the season for Spurs is just going to be such a unique thing to see unfold based on who the club goes with. But and I, I think mean, that's the, that's the pressure like if Nagelsmann was to come in now, you'd have to say you have to fairly give him a an out. So you can't just be like you have to make us you have to get us top four. Like that cannot be the expectation. Obviously, you're right there. You could get it, but there can't be too much pressure on whoever was to come in. I think now. Would you almost like? Would you? Would you almost not set a bar for him? Would you almost yeah. say like, listen, just figure out the team, and I don't really care where we finish or what we yeah. what we accomplish. That, I, would, I would do that. That's what, yeah. That's how I think he should come in. And like, what seventy percent of the season is gone. So to hold him to a standard of top four, with very good teams chasing you, when he doesn't really know all of what's going on, that's why I see it as such an opportunity to get him in now. Because I, as a fan, would just be like, it's kind of like get him in, and he's going to get time. If I know he's going to get the time, then I don't need to judge him harshly on this first month and a half of football that we have left to play or however long it is. So that's why I think I see it as such an opportunity to get him in. He He's not the juggernaut that is going to walk around, puff out his chest and be like, oh, I need these things now and they have to be done this way. I need these specific players. I don't think he's someone that would go up on the podium and speak negatively about Tottenham Hotspur. I think he kind of knows his role, knows what he's done, but he's also still a very young manager, so he's not going to be throwing shade so get him in, get him accustomed to everything going on at Tottenham, and then give him the benefit of the doubt until it's. That's how it was with Ten Hag. Like you said, when he came in, it's like he's got to get time. Like no questions. You can't ask the question. You can't even be like, "Oh, is he the right fit?" Until eight to nine months into the job, type of thing. So I think that's why they should get him in now. I, you're right, though. It could go many different directions. I just don't want Tottenham to fall victim. To the way they do business again, where they then, whether it's players or managers, waiting so long to make a decision, not being decisive, the the waters get muddied, and then it's like you end up with what you end up with, and it's like, what direction are we going in? Yeah, and the Harry Kane's future a little bit uncertain at the moment, too. few teams that seem to be interested in making serious inquiries about him. United being one of them. I'm not sure how legitimate that is. There's, again, a lot of pretty much the richest teams are being grouped into this conversation. But it is difficult because there's a few big-name players who maybe aren't so sure of what their future is going to be. I'm not so sure what Sonny would think after Spurs this year, thinking, man, there, there was a time this season where I was benched for, for a few games for the first time in several seasons. So it's tough to think what they're going to do. I mean, it's just been overall just sort of a 
just sort of a shit season that I'm kind of <laughs> looking forward to coming to a close, I guess, for my sake. The rest of the league's been wildly entertaining, but Conte finally gone. He had a nice little Instagram post. I think it just was maybe written for him. It was like pretty <laughs> generic and spat out. He was like, sometimes football is just about passion, and I'm glad that some of the pan- fans were passionate with me, and best of luck with everything. And it was just a bunch of like pictures of him in the locker room or on the sideline it was sort of uninspired yeah. but i was like you know what this is Cheers. kind of this is kind of off topic but i remember when samuel etto left everton he used the same caption as another club that he was there for like less oh, than a year yeah. he like oh, copy and pasted man. it and everyone was like this is the same goodbye that you just put that's up like how it. my uh high school principal or librarian or something used the same exact speech as the oh no as a superintendent as every single graduation just same exact speech and she forgot to change the year oh, <laughs> on the, I feel like that's, on the what, that's what college recommendation letters are for most teachers oh, yeah. maybe oh, i'm sure yeah. they put more work into it but it's a pleasure to have in class their smile lights up the room they'd be a very welcome addition to underline university here <laughs> it's like a mad lib it's like filling out a mad yeah, lib for yeah. them yeah well I can tell you what, Andrew, keep your wallet close because you might be booking another flight soon to sunny San Diego where Manchester United, as of late uh, or very recently announced, they will be playing Wrexham, our favorite uh, football team over at Wrexham Football Club. (laughs) Um, I think that's fucking crazy, like in a good way, but it's just insane how far this club has become commercialized in such a short amount of time. Um, it's probably been what three, two years, legitimately, mm-hmm. and that's a yeah. short amount of time. And now they're going to the U.S. on a tour to play the biggest, one of the biggest clubs in the world. Um, I don't know. It's I don't want to be like like a sour or like a party pooper, but is this is it like too much from the outside looking in? As in, like Rexham's kind of selling out. Like obviously, it's good for the community. That's important. You want that for the club, but. You're taking like what is loved about Wrexham and you're like commercializing it to the point where it's it's gonna get unbearable or that's just what happens when people sell out. When people sell out, when when businesses sell out, it's just a thing that people don't like to don't like it. I personally don't mind. I don't care either way, but looking at it from the perspective of other teams that are looking at this team in the National League and around the world with the amount of exposure they get. I'm just curious about that question. I mean, that's a very interesting point, and the point gets made up not just in football but in sports overall. The best thing is growing the game. Players want to see the game growing, and they want to see the game get bigger everywhere, and they want to see more people watching and more people interested, and they want to grow the game here and grow the game there. But sometimes this is how the sausage is made. Sometimes if you want to grow the game, if you want to create massive footballing footprints and make huge impacts – you got to huck a little, you got to huck a few TikTok videos. Sometimes you got to do a viral dance and have Ryan Reynolds be your spokesperson. I mean, this, we've seen this club become such a huge, not just football club in the real, real world, but on social media as well. And I feel like that's such a huge part of their identity now because of who ownership is. I mean, as an actor, exposure is everything. More people looking at you is the entire like name of the game. So I'm not surprised to see Rex some sort of become this spawn of Rob McElhoney and Ryan Reynolds. And you know that this game is going to get marketed like crazy. They already came out with a promo video with like Sir Alex Ferguson and they're on the (laughs) zoom with, I mean, everything is incredibly well done and God damn, do they move quickly? You know, like they Mm -hmm. might've been pocketing this idea for a while, but 
Yeah, Andrew, I have to think many of the OG Wrexham fans are like, this is the dumbest shit. Like, this is getting so old, so fat. Like, the TikTok logo on the sleeve was one thing, but now sort of like this U.S. tour and all these the commercialization of it. I mean, yeah, I have to think that definitely rubs some people the wrong way. And, like, I think the positives are eyes to the National League, more money for the league. Hopefully, it's not just getting sucked in by Wrexham and that's it. It's kind of like dispersed on some level not like they have to give money away but it's more like there's an ex- there's a evil even playing field of exposure to because like the Premier league the prime like you have the top six clubs and then all the rest of the clubs get all this exposure as well on the biggest platforms peacock nbcsn usa etc you hope that's the same for these clubs and that was why i brought up the question because i think it does well for the for the team and for the community and 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 giving eyes to the game that's if it's good if it's good for the game it's good it should be good for everybody else but um there is that there is um a reason for that question i guess yeah, yeah i don't i think it's good because i trust ryan reynolds yeah. and rob to have the best interests of Wrexham and their fans like i do think it might rub a couple Wrexham fans the wrong way, but I, I'm hoping that they're conscious in making these decisions in listening to the fans because they've made that such a motto or aspect of what they do. I don't think it does much, frankly, for the National League because as soon as they get promoted, like the National League is going to go back to exactly what it was and mm-hmm. it's going to have none of that. And it's not their responsibility, frankly. I mean, if another owner or something comes in, I guess... If it starts a chain reaction, I don't know if that's good or bad because then they really lose touch with these football, these really localized football clubs. But going to play United, I think that's cool for Wrexham. I don't think the fans will be, I think it'll be more happy fans than upset fans. Yeah, and definitely. the commercialization is going to grow their club. And that's <clears> all that Ryan Reynolds and Rob are tasked with doing is caring about Wrexham. And that's like they can't change the league. They can't change English league tables no, and football no, it's tables. Not their job. So it's like, not your job to. Yeah. If all they're For doing sure. is worrying about Wrexham and growing Wrexham and giving them the best chance to get promoted and climb the ranks, that's ultimately what I think the folks in Wales it just, are going to be. Def- it definitely requires you to be selfish, right? And you guys yeah. make a good point in that, you know, if there are fans that are sort of crotchety about this, I ask you, what do you want? Do you want to see clubs wreck some size fade into anonymity and eventually just combust and have horrible owners and have terrible financials and just play in dilapidated stadiums? Or do you want it to grow? And sometimes again, you're not going to like seeing how the sausage is made. You're not going to like all the noise that comes with that. But I think if there is anyone that's sort of perturbed at this, at not only the, you know, not specifically the Wrexham game in the U.S. or how it's being commercialized, but just with with what the club has sort of become overall, I think you will unfortunately have to like make a decision in terms of where you stand or how you actually see this is being affected, you know, and, and like you said, Connor, maybe maybe the best possible thing that comes from this is other people with similar levels of fame or money or notoriety as Rob and Ryan have say, hey, that actually looks like a lot of fun. There's plenty of teams playing in that National League we could do the very similar th- and probably have even more solid financials in mm-hmm. place. You know, Rexham yeah. was sort of one of the extreme ones. And so, you know, if I'm if I'm looking at this situation through the scope of a, of a billionaire or a multimillionaire, I'd think, hey, I mean, clearly you got to put in the work. And if you do that, you can get good things out of it. Plus, not many people will agree. Well, not everyone will agree with this, but now you have Ryan and Rob who are 
kind of becoming pretty experienced football owners at this point. They've seen some shit. They've been through it. They've literally brought their club up out the mud. They're going to have a couple years of ownership under their belt soon. So they'll start to be points of contact for other American millionaires that want to start to seek, you know, footballing resurgence. So mm-hmm. that's the one thing I, I think I, I think about with all this is that I understand some people feeling one way or feeling a different way, but unfortunately it's just too nuanced of a problem and you kind of can't really pick one side or the other yeah. in this situation. Yeah, and they may not. I was just curious to know what you guys thought about if there is a potential for that. And because I think when people sell out, people get upset. That's just the that's just the reality. I think it's all the other people get upset. Like yeah. all the team. Like look at the Premier League. Even like I'm pointing the finger at all these big sellout clubs that are getting yeah. taken over by exactly. That's multi gazillion yeah. whatever um, like board of whoever. Like all yeah. that is just like. Until Liverpool gets bought out, and then I'm like, "Oh, this is sick." So, like, until <laughs> yeah. Christian Bale, well, it's like Man City. goes and buys Man City. all the people pointing the fingers. Yeah. Club, like, when he goes and does that, does that to their club, they're gonna be like, they're gonna hop right on the bus. They're gonna be like, "All right, start this thing. Let's ride it to the top," type of thing. Yeah, and you're seeing yeah. it. You're seeing it in other clubs too. Like, look at the MLS, the Antetokounmpo brothers. They just invested in was it Nashville City, Nashville, yeah. Yeah. So like. That's helping soccer as a whole, and yes, it'll entice those other clubs, but those other clubs are going to have to do it the right way, or other owners, those other owners are going to have to do it the right way. They can't just take a seat in their chair, send the money off to the club, and put people in positions and hope that it's going to get done the way Rob and Ryan are doing it, I think, is what really sets them apart, because they're in the nitty-gritty, they're making the decisions, they're learning the business, so um, if they do it that way... I think it's good for football overall. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I will say a more recent news out of Wrexham. I cannot possibly, if you gave me three days, think of a better new signing that fits in than than Ben Foster does with Wrexham. Right. I mean, the guy comes equipped with not only a pair of goalkeeping hands, which have a lot of Premier League experience. He has a YouTube channel called The Cycling Goalkeeper. They would be, Rob and Ryan were, I guarantee, all about that. They were like, mm-hmm. oh my God, we got to get this guy <laughs> on our team right now. He can document practices, document games. That's more views for us. That'll beef up our YouTube following. We can link YouTube followings with him. He has the football fill in a show I like very much. He has Mark Goldbridge on there weekly. Uh, and then another, <laughs> yeah, like Holy. a rotating third guest. It's a good footballing show. And it's great to hear his insight too. Because again, I mean, anything that's, you know, what, what, what do the players think about this or what's like something behind the scenes that that's in player culture that people might not know. I mean, he's kind of the go-to guy for that. And so I think again, not only you get not only a trusty goalkeeper, who's probably a very competitive national league goalkeeper one, but two man, his valuability went way up with the socials, his social media presence. He, I mean, knowing what you know about the both of them, he and uh, Ryan Reynolds are like two best friends in the making. They're both wildly charismatic dudes just that would love to be on camera. I feel very comfortable speaking behind the microphone. I feel like Ben Foster and Wrexham are a match made in heaven. And this took longer than it should have. Yeah. yeah. No, I think it's, uh, and speaking on the, like you said, the social media aspect, it's the perfect signing for that. And you know, Ben Foster as a keeper, he's going to, he's going to be just doing everything he can to promote the club, promote football in the best way possible. So, um, yeah. I'm excited to see his content, now that he's actually That's on the team. Yeah, I wonder if he'll continue doing his weekly football show. I don't see why he wouldn't be able to, but also 
have we ever seen that before in any sport? Somebody who does some type of online punditry and then goes to it's like Draymond Green when he had the podcast during the playoffs last year. And he would like right after the game would end, just get behind a microphone on like a grainy camera like this would be such a step up from that as somebody who literally we just saw on, on ESPN plus playing keeper because I think he got the clean sheet. He started right away and got a clean sheet for Wrexham in their last game. But and then to see him the next day, you know, be in the chair, like doing his regular, you know, guess which kid I'm wearing today or here's football trivia to end the episode. Like, I think it could work really well and i also think robin ryan would go no like we don't want you to stop doing that like we didn't want you to that wasn't the plan in signing you was to get you to stop doing this stuff because it's also highly valuable for our brand now so yeah i also think that it depends on where he lives too like does he live he doesn't live in wales i don't imagine i feel like he's pretty mobile yeah he's definitely like yeah he could also just like also like the national league like some of those dudes do those dudes have full-time jobs like like the teams he plays against some of them might still be working i don't think the man i don't know if the demand of a premier league goal the the demand of the premier league goalkeeper to like be there all hours of the day is not the sound like it's the same yeah i mean he can probably get there and leave so easily yeah with his resources yeah (laughs) he's uh it it should be a 50 50 the contract supposedly is like he took it for a pennies on the dollar like he's basically going in there he's not demanding anything he's just doing it for the sake of doing it and the fun that will come from it which is exactly the atmosphere that needs at Wrexham and it's not in a bad manner of any sense because the lead goalkeeper for Wrexham went down with a knee injury I believe that I think it's a ligament in his knee or multiple so it takes him out for the so it's not like he's coming in and all of a sudden just taking away these other hard-working players time like he's they, their keeper went down. They made a signing on deadline day in the National League, and now they can finish the season strong. So um, that's good for Wrexham, good for Ben. He can keep his skills nice and tidy for get back knows, in, come get out back of retirement. In, get back into competitive football. So Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> he seems like a guy that could live in a, like a studio apartment my size and be totally happy. Yeah. <laughs> as long as he has a couch and a flat screen and then a bike in the corner of his apartment where he can just like bike and do videos, he would be... He'd be happy in Wales. He's probably right at home and probably will never have to pay for a beer in that town ever again. (laughs) Well, I want to obviously it was a quicker episode this week. I do want to close with sort of something a little bit different. A few other shows have been doing this in the past, and it's always interesting to get everyone's different perspectives. We'll do overrated or underrated. There's two two things that I brought up today. Things say things. I should be more specific. Two topics. Well, one person, one entity, I guess I'll say if it's overrated or underrated. And you guys can take turns giving me your two cents, and I'll sort of try to play devil's advocate throughout. Although you use you guys usually do a pretty good job <laughs> of that yourselves, so I don't think I'll be really needed. But uh, okay, so the first one is overrated or underrated? Peacock, and that's the channel, not the bird. What do we think? Is Peacock overall, and not just with football and content? You guys both have it, movies, TV. I mean, obviously this is a football podcast, but feel Peacock is overrated or under? It's five bucks a month. I'm pretty sure too. <laughs> Big time underrated for me. I think it's widely underrated. Widely underrated. Connor, yeah. okay, why is that? I mean, the app is sorted out. Like when you go in the Peacock app, when you have it on your phone, when you close, like you slide up to go home, you can still watch the game in a small Huge corner. Point. Which yeah. is like NBC Sports doesn't have that. And they're like a solidified broadcasting channel for all sports. And every time you go to check a message or something, it closes out of the app and then you got to like reload. You got to watch an ad every time for the sake of watching football. It's super annoying because you don't usually get 
commercial interruptions, but anytime you close the app on NBC Sports, you you got to go and or NBCSN, sorry, um, you got to go and do that. So Peacock and I think the content on there doesn't even get a shout as far as like there's a lot of sports content that comes with it, but some of the shows when I want to say when I was watching Yellowstone, which is it's on Peacock, it was on Peacock, yeah, Blockbuster yeah. here in um, the states. Like I went to Peacock to watch it and catch up on episodes, and it was the easiest thing. If you have your Xfinity Wi-Fi bundle, Peacock comes with it for free. So, yeah, I think it's underrated. I don't. Yeah, I think besides the jokes you make about the technical difficulties that we hear or we see, I, there there was one match where there was no commentary for 45 minutes. Um, I think it's underrated. I think there's good shows on it, and I get all the football I need just on one yeah. channel or one platform. It was the first place we saw like stream dropout <laughs> on a football match, but it hasn't yeah. bothered me honestly outside of that. What about, what about you, Tristan? Honestly, I would I would go underrated as well. I think you guys brought up really my only real gripe in that I guess there's just been a few too many technical issues <laughs> uh for my liking. Um which is just sort of really frustrating because you just feel so helpless across the pond not being able to watch <laughs> Uh, but I would say in terms of the other content, yeah, the movies that get uploaded are pretty underrated, too. Like if there's a like Megan, that movie about the little robot girl that kills everyone, <laughs> they uploaded that like pretty quickly after it got to theaters and they up- uploaded an unrated version as well. I have yet to check it out. Ooh, I probably will at some content. point, but they just put on Cabin in the Woods, another one. Like I feel like these larger. Nope. They put on there as ha- well. Halloween, so. the Halloween movies. Ha- exactly. Yeah. Halloween got so. I think it's it's content wise also becoming one of those like, oh, maybe we'll exclusively start to stream out. But I I mean, as Peacock users, we kind of I feel like we all have the same goal, which is like, unfortunately, the larger Peacock sort of gets as a conglomerate, the better, because like the more football games that get included, the better. I don't mind having to figure it out, but it's like, you know, you guys, especially in a house, it's like, oh, who who's got the Hulu account? <laughs> mm-hmm. Who's got ESPN plus? And now there's football on like so many different USLs on Hulu also on ESPN plus, but the FA cup is on ESPN plus, but then premier league's on Peacock or USA. Like I I'm all for at this point, sort of more of a conglomerate of where all the football is. Cause it just, it just makes it easier. Yeah. I, sometimes there's just like, you're always checking game day. Like fuck, which channel is. is my yeah. yeah you're like trying to figure out where the hell I'm going today. What Although platform? the best thing is on the last day of the season when everybody plays at the same time, and you always like find you always are curious as to which channel and every year Spurs gets sci-fi, which I just find to be so funny for some like the sci-fi channel is who ends up broadcasting like Spurs Everton on the final day. What was but, actually hilarious. Yeah, but I mean power power to the peacock. Um Evan Ferguson, overrated or underrated? <laughs> Connor, you brought this up in the chat today, so I brought it up because one. I wanted to say that he's overrated. Uh, I think so too. And the reason being is just like, okay, the United, kid- Liverpool, and Tottenham. Our th- all three of our clubs are like the ones most heavily linked to this kid. Too, he's 18 years old, plays for Brighton. Right, and he he has scored some goals. I think his minute to goal ratio is insane because he's come off the bench, but he he hasn't been a solidified starter in that Brighton squad. Who, yeah, they play. They don't really have. He's a number nine, right? Like he plays as a center forward. So if he hasn't locked down that position in that team yet. I think it's just a clear example. And he scored some goals for Ireland too, this um, international break. So sure, he scored a couple goals, but it's like five goals. Like we don't need to get a, he has like three goals in the prem, two assists in 10 matches or 10 appearances. So I think it's just a very simple case of the UK craze. Like 
he's Irish, so it's kind of like an English talent. It's just out of control. I wouldn't say that on this mic. <laughs> well, like, it's just like, it just happens. Like, as soon as the Ireland gets their protege, like, everyone is getting behind them. Like, and he's Republic of Ireland, right? Or Northern Ireland. I think he's Republic of Ireland. So that's, yeah, that's, yeah, I mean, yeah. but it's still, like, anytime there's a UK talent, all but That's like, not UK, though. Whatever. It's like well, the same Republic, region. Republic of Ireland's not. I don't know what I don't Northern, know where Northern Ireland is is the United is, Kingdom. Oh, okay. Um, I think it, I call Andrew. Um, They're very particular about yeah, that. Don't, they do not yeah, see, like I don't, those I don't know the difference. Um, I scored some goals, so he's Republic. Sure. He's Republic of Ireland. I honestly, it's my maybe it's because my lack of um, football viewing the last few weeks in terms of like the like European soccer, European football, because we've had a lot of traveling recently. Well, I forgot about this dude until you mentioned him today, so I'm going to go overrated. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I mean, that in like, itself should be a reason to yeah. make him overrated. Like, if he fell off completely on your like, end, I mean, I, yeah. I had to Google him myself. I heard his name a couple of times and saw him, this, again, his name mentioned in the same sentence as Tottenham, so I'll always, like, perk up a little bit when I see that. But, I mean, I've said many times I feel like Spurs' young talent, they are lacking. We don't really have – not not he wouldn't be an academy guy, but I, this is separate. But we do have a lack of, like, academy presence. I just feel like our young player presence is not always phenomenal at Spurs, which is, like, like why Oliver Skip was such, such a breath of fresh air is because I feel like that's a guy we've needed. But, I mean – Shit, yeah, go for him. If Liverpool and United want him, then there must be something. Our recruitment's been so shit in the last. I don't, few I don't want. I don't want Evan Ferguson. <laughs> I want an actual striker. <laughs> yeah, he's eighteen and he looks like a grown ass man. I want. I want like, a. I want a twenty five goal season striker. I don't want an eighteen year old Evan Ferguson to come into the team. Yeah, he's gonna come with Andrew's some sort got of Osterman on the brain. Oh yeah. All right, <clears> and <throat> last one, real quick. Overrated or underrated? And this one's sort of interesting. I want you guys to think about this uh, a lot for a sec, and that's the international break. Is it overrated or underrated? Think about it from all angles, from a player's angle, from a coach's angle. Can I say both? Yeah, but just, yeah. But can I elaborate? You can say properly rated. Properly rated because there's it's all these players that are phenomenal, like Germany, England, some of the best players in the world get to come together for one national team and play. Like That's why it's you could say it's properly rated. And they face like England, Italy happened recently. And that's like, mm. although it's impeding on Premier League football, that's still a fun watch. But I also think For it's sure. overrated because it's, I don't really care about it. Like, I don't, I think international football, these friendlies and uh, I know there's Euro qualifiers. There's Con- I think CONCACAF is overrated. I mean, United, uh, USA just won 7-1 to Granada. Like, it's a mixture of you can watch good football, but also there's a lot of shit going on there's a lot of shit football a lot of overrated like my my argument recently was when italy england beat italy 3-2 and everyone was going crazy because it was the first time they beat italy um and since 19 something and in italy and i was like you guys lost to italy in the euro final why are you making this such a big deal like i'm sorry i just feel like that's not a big accomplishment so that's overrated but it's a good game to watch so it's like a it's a blend i don't know I immediately, yeah. I immediately went to that. Like, there's a yeah. blend of both. You can get good football, but also some of these competitions and and games and 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 like achievements are just like, all right, like, all right. When's Premier League back on? Kind of thing. Yeah, they like, are like they they do seem like achievements that are. It's like <laughs> Harry Kane becoming England's all time goal leader. That's substantial, and it was really cool. But it's also one of those things where you, it feels like you could have missed it over the weekend, and you're like, <laughs> oh shit, that happened. That's yeah, exactly. right. that's crazy. 
Yeah. I would say overrated. It's good. It's getting to the point where I think it'll be properly rated, but right now it's overrated because like the Euro qualifying, it's good that it all means something, I guess. Um, yeah, England ruined it for everyone, like, celebrating the win over Italy as though they won some sort of hardware when, like, they won their first game of Euro qualifying. Like, okay. And, yeah, you look at all these other matches. Sure, there's some good ones. Like, but it's like one game gets all the co- – like, the England game got all the coverage. Like, Scotland play like, Scotland, Robbo had two assists. Like, no, you don't see much about that. But – it's just such an what seems like uneven playing field, and I get that there needs to be the need for that, but it would be nice if the media took just, okay, put up a post, like, cool, like, these were the results, this is what the table looks like or the groups look like for a qualifier, but, like, we don't need to, Sky Sports doesn't need to be, like, putting up 15 posts because Kane. It's coming home. <laughs> literally. And, and, and you see all these Southgate, like, analysis from Paul Merce. I'm like, dude, I don't need this. This is, like, a weekend off. Like, chill out. And to defend ourselves even further, I don't get happy when I see USA score lines, like, 7-1. And, like, last time we played this team, this oh score. Like, yeah. I don't care. What's his name? Jesus what? Ferreira, Ferreira scored three uh, goals against McKinney scored two in like <laughs> two minutes. Like I don't need. Okay. Yeah, they did that. I don't like some, I don't know. Bleach report. We get it. But I had to watch Kristen Polishich be like, oh yeah, Messi deserves to be, he's in the goat debate. I saw a clip of that and I'm like, why is he commenting on this? <laughs> yeah. Who the fuck cares? Like it's already said and done as to, and he was just saying amongst athletes, he goes like Tiger Woods, certainly in the, like the conversation. I forget who else he lists, Michael Jordan. And then he goes, Messi is certainly like in the, I'm like, bro, like what, what am like, I watching? Like those are all things yeah. that have been said. And like, everyone kind of knows that it's like universally. Known. They just put up, Yeah. State all the very obvious Christian and uh, we'll put a post up for you. <laughs> But maybe it's because maybe I just have a slightly different view or opinion as to what the consensus of the international break is. I would say it's underrated, but that's only because I think everyone just hates it so fucking much. <laughs> like it's just the general view of it is that it sucks and that it just throws wrenches into the schedule and no one really cares about it. And it's just like it's way more insignificant than people make it out to be. And all I actually agree partially with all those things. I think all those things have a degree of truth. But I guess the thing that I agree with all those reasons, like you said, Andrew, it's 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 ne- it's never should be insignificant to have like a group of players representing a country playing one another. Like there is just something very pure and grassroots about that. Really cool to see AJ Patterson, you know, be play against the USA. It's it's yeah. always good to see the USA play because we don't get to do that as much, regardless of how much they must they might frustrate us. But I feel like it's also underrated because if your team is going through like a really shitty period like mine is, it kind of gives you like just a a time to pump the brakes a little bit to figure out some shit that is like otherwise very important. Like anything that's kicking a football is the most important thing and how that looks. But like finding the right manager is also extremely important. So this Mm -hmm. actually came at like kind of a great time. Like I think we've known for a while Conte wasn't going to be here next year. But this like this was an international break. I'll look back on and be like, man. Thank God this we like we didn't have like a huge match this weekend. Like everybody got a chance to like just get the hell out of Dodge, flee campus. Everyone always looks so much happier playing with their country anyway. Like mm-hmm. regardless of player or who what team, what club team they play for, everybody, especially Christian Romero, just looks so much happier playing like 
on their home field with all the boys that they grew up with, which I, I also totally get that. So it might be some good like mental health stimulation for the players too. You know, it is a gameplay. It is stressful, but at least you get to see the boys again that you were True. have been in a locker room with since like you were three years old. So, yeah. uh, perfect. That's, that's all I got on yeah. my end, guys. I mean, it was a pleasure seeing your virtual faces today. Yeah. yeah, no, it was a good, a good, quick one. And thank you for joining us at the Howlers Podcast. We'll be sure to ch- check back with you very soon. And also, don't forget City Liverpool or City Liverpool this weekend. Yeah, that's big, Connor. What so, are your What are your predictions, guys, on this game? I think that one's at the Etihad, so I don't have to. I don't have the I highest. Three, of hopes. I think it's three one City. Three one City. See, I was thinking maybe Liverpool were going to pull out like a two to one win. I don't like a like kind of a shit house victory, like a, a Nunez double, a Mo penalty in the ninetieth, like something like so, that. I got I got red. I'm gonna go Liverpool two to one in this one. Hope I'm wrong. Wow. Uh, I I'm gonna say one zero City. I think Liverpool are gonna park the bus <laughs> and hope for the best, but we don't defend them that well, so I think we'll concede at some point. That's at seven thirty, I think. Uh, Eastern game. time. That's, so yeah, but you yeah. guys will be going live. That'll be a lot of fun. Hopefully get to see some misery on Connor's face. I won't be there, but yeah, I'll have to see if I'm here this weekend. I might be on the road. All right, folks. See you all very soon. Thank you for joining the Howlers podcast. Be sure to like and subscribe. Don't forget to check out our link tree and follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Twitch, and YouTube. See you all soon. Bye-bye.